Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of Empty Betters. No, this is not Harrison Schultz. It's your boy, Nick. Harrison is a little bit under the weather today, so unfortunately, we are flying without him on this episode, but the show must go on. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to producer Mac Vogel. What's going on, buddy? How we doing, everyone? Um, yeah, like Nick said, got to keep the ball rolling here, but no fear. We got plenty of voices for you today, plenty of entertainment, a lot to talk about. Um, going to be focusing on another particular team this episode, um, but I'll let uh, Nick kind of intro that. Yeah, absolutely. And like Max said, we have plenty of voices on today's show, so we're going to be doing some New York Islanders talk. So we have... Good friends of the program, Dean Peluso and Mike Comparetto joining us. Dean, I think you have the dubious honor of being the first recurring guest on the show. I mean, does that sound good That's, or does that make you want to kill yourself? Talk about an intro. What a high honor to have. Absolutely. And Mike, first time on the show, but definitely I know, you know, not the first time paying attention to it. So we appreciate it. Mike actually took uh, over our social media at one of uh, Johnny T's first games back on the island. I believe it was like what like his second or third game back or something like that. I believe it was his second game back at the Coliseum. Oh, okay. So third game back in New York, second game back at the Coliseum. Nice. Still and just I, as I mean that was crazy. So entertaining. So, you know, that was definitely much appreciated. So, we're excited to have you guys and excited to get into some Islanders talk. Uh, But first and foremost, we have a whole bunch of news and injuries and signings to cover. So uh, this whole jersey carousel has continued. Dallas released those black and neon green sweaters the other day. And Boston apparently had their concept leaked today. And this sort of culminated this afternoon uh, with the NHL basically confirming that all 31 teams are going to have some variant of a reverse retro concept going on for this upcoming season. And then they ended up releasing like a teaser video, if you will, where like it's sort of like this weird animated cartoony like back view of the sweater of what the design could look like. So everyone's sort of just losing their mind. I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on the Dallas and Boston ones. I don't know if you saw those. Yeah, I didn't love that lime green on the Dallas, but I don't really love the brightness like that. But I do like black jerseys, so... I don't know. Kind of compliments pretty well. The I can't stop thinking about it. The Dallas, and it's very fitting tonight. It feels like watching a, a Maction game. That's just the first thing that yes. came to me was that that's a Maction football jersey, if I've ever seen one. Yes. It kind of reminded me, too, of like back uh, at the World Cup of Hockey, like those black uh, Team North America jerseys with like the bright orange highlights on them, which honestly, I, yeah. I, I thought those were kind of cool. So, I don't know, I guess we'll see how Dallas looks when they hit the ice. And um, it's always a little different, like, seeing them wear it in person. But, um, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know. I'm, like, I'm sure when they skate out, like, wearing those, at like, when they skate out through, like, that big star thing, like, and the lights are down, like, I'm sure that'll look sick. It's basically what San Jose did with those, like, black and teal ones. The black but, armor, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... It's interesting. I'm obviously I feel like we're all, you know, like, okay, that's cool. But what's my team going to look like? So I I don't I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard what the Islanders are doing. The Caps are supposed to bring back the Screaming Eagle, but it looks like it's going to be red as opposed to the baby blue. So I don't know. I feel like we're kind of cautious in at least I am to get excited about something like that. 
Uh, moving on down the list, the Henderson Silver Knights, the new AHL affiliate to the Vegas Golden Knights, have released their uniforms and begun work on their new facility. The team is set to begin play during the 2020-2021 uh, AHL season. Uh, and they're going to play their home games in Paradise, Nevada, until their stadium is built. My first thought about this uh, that I saw today, and I didn't even realize this was the team name, is why are you going to call yourself the Silver Knights? It's like calling yourself a silver medal and, like, your second best. It just seems like, I, am I the only one that thinks that's stupid? Yeah, I feel like it's got to be a big blow, like, if you get sent down, right, from the Golden Knights. Now you're like, oh, fuck, I got to go play for the Silver Knights for a little while. Like, yeah. that just sounds so shitty to say. Yeah, and, like, I don't like the Knights jerseys as it is, but I think these ones are even worse. Like, their home jersey is just the Golden Knights jersey, but instead of gray, it's silver. It's like you just you just made it, like, it went from bad to worse. I don't, I don't get it, but oh, well. They're looking for money, you know. They're they're trying exactly. to exactly. Yeah, it's a classic money grab. So who yeah. who can be surprised? It, you know, at the end of the day, it's more hockey. So who cares? But true. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have announced that they're going to loan uh, star rookie forward Kirby Doc to Team Canada for the upcoming World Juniors. So to put that into perspective, this is a kid that played 64 NHL games. That's now going to be playing with teenagers in a tournament where Canada already wins all the time, anyway. So. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. That sucks. Honestly, yeah. it does suck. So, it's cool if you're a Team Canada fan for sure, but otherwise, right. fuck they, it sucks. And then Canada, like then Canadians, wonder why Americans and people around the world don't really pay that much attention to the World Juniors. It's like, well, when you win five gold medals in a row, like every other, you know, give or take one year in between, this this is like this is why it's like you have NHL talent players on the ice for your team, so. That being said, it is always kind of fun to see how, how like, guys who have already had a little bit of time in the NHL play when they're, like, sent down a level. I don't want to say down a level because, obviously, it's yeah. still super competitive, high-stakes hockey, but you know what I mean. Like, it, it is just a different style of play, and so um, it'll, it'll be interesting at least to watch him, I think. But from a perspective of, like, not wanting Canada to just dominate, it's a bit annoying. Yeah. So I'm sure if you're Canadian, you're psyched. If you're everyone else, you're rolling your eyes. Uh, speaking of Canada, ca- uh, questions continue to surround the Ontario Hockey League and their issue regarding body checking and physical contact for the upcoming season. If you remember back a couple episodes ago, we spoke about this, how basically their minister of sport was going to say that she recommended that they don't have body checking. And then the other day, I think it was like the day before Halloween, a bunch of news sources like TSN and Sportsnet, I think included released statements saying that they had already like killed the whole body checking thing. They were going to play with no contact. And then like a couple hours later, they retracted the statements. Mike, I can see you shaking your head. I mean, we, we said how much we hated this. I can tell you do too. It's so stupid. It's pointless. It's pointless because you're, they're going to be this close to each other at a, on a face off face to face, a body check. I mean, what are they going to do in the corners? It's going to keep people there longer. How about on the bench, they right? Each other. You're sitting next to each other the whole game on the bench. What's the fuck? What's the difference? It's so stupid. Or the locker room. Like, what do you, like, we've all been there. What do you think is happening in the locker room? <laughs> Dip spit? <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. Yeah, it's insane. It's just, like, the yeah, dumbest thing. It makes like, no you're sense. Lucky if, 
you're lucky if shampoo is the only thing that's being passed around a hockey locker room, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, uh, yeah, so Thomas Harley uh, was taken in the first round by the Dallas Stars, and he's currently playing for the OHL's Mississauga Steelheads. He spoke out saying, if there's not body checking, I'm not sure we should even play. I personally wouldn't. We've been playing with it our whole lives. You know, I wouldn't know how to play, and I, I absolutely agree. Like, you know, at the at that level, these guys are running on instinct. So when a puck goes behind the net and a guy like him, a defenseman, turns around and goes back to take out the forechecking forward, like, what do you expect him to do? This isn't, like, the 80s and early 90s where you can just, like, tie guys up anymore, and I really don't want to see that come back. So uh, I really, really hope that they just – you know, suck it up and try and do like a bubble system like the NHL did in the playoffs. Yeah, if we wanted to see no hit hockey, we could all go watch a bunch of fucking squirts play at the local rink and like, <laughs> what's the difference? Like, why do I want to watch at that point? It's just right. bad hockey. Yeah. It's not hockey. It, it kind of reminds me of you'll have a situation similar to the first year after they waved away, like touch up icing, where you're going to have some guys going full speed because that's what they're new, used to. And then some guys go in half speed because of, you know, new rules. And it just, in my opinion, creates potential for more injury. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, former Toronto Marlies assistant coach Jack Hahn said it's likely that the Maple Leafs will experiment with the concept of playing with three defensemen and two forwards for the upcoming season. Uh, this basically, like, I had to sit down when I read this, and then I was like, well, I mean, this makes sense because the Maple Leafs, despite paying Tyson Berry all that money, were terrible defensively. So uh, I guess this is where things are going in Toronto right now. I mean, what do you guys think about this? This is, you know, pretty out there, I would say so. I just hate everything about them. <laughs> Simple as that. I love it. Honestly, as that. it... I, it's more than Tavares. It's more than just that. It goes all the way back to 01 when uh, Darcy Tucker took out Michael Pecka's knee and it cost us the first round series. Valid so, point. It's been long brewing. It wasn't yeah. just 2018. I mean, we talked about this, like, I think it was last episode. Harrison said that they were the, uh, or it was two episodes ago, he said they were the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL. And I like I thought that was spot on. It's like you know I I'm so sick of like turning on you know football for Sunday, and I'm like, why are the Cowboys a prime time game? They're like running out like they're running out of quarterbacks at this point. Like I don't want to watch them play. So that's a great analogy, honestly. Like yeah, it's just like it's all Leafs all the time with the NHL. So you know it is what it is, but you know we just all have to suffer through it if you're not a Leafs fan. Can you imagine what it's like in Canada? Oh my God, right. Uh, so moving on to some injuries, and these are some pretty big ones. Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop are both going to miss five months each following surgeries for their hip and knee, respectively. That's If you're a Stars fan, that's not what you want to hear. Uh, these two were basically banged up in the playoffs anyways, so obviously Bishop lost his starting job after he got hurt to Doby, which, you know, great for Doby. And then Sagan was basically missing for most of the postseason, so... Uh, I'm sure a lot of that is attributed to this, but, uh, you know, five months is a long time. And, you know, I feel like none of us know when they're going to get back to playing, but I would like to hope it's within five months. So I would expect these guys to miss at least two um, of the upcoming regular season. 
And then Blue Jackets forward Gus Nyquist is going to miss between five and six months following shoulder surgery. So again, just long-term stuff um, on the injury docket. Out of all of those, which one would you guys say is the biggest loss? To, for... me, to me, I feel like the the two Dallas injuries are a little bit more um, expected. We kind of expected to hear something like this, especially with those two guys. And I feel like any time you have a cup final um, and, and there's guys that are missing games or you can kind of tell they're not quite 100%, um, you're always ready for that big announcement a couple weeks or, or so after – um, the cup is awarded just to hear like, okay, what was this guy playing through or what was he dealing with? Well, you know, what's the bigger story here? Um, so that one doesn't come as a surprise to me. The Blue Jackets, uh, they're going to have a tough time this year as it is. Losing somebody like Nyquist for um, that amount of time is definitely not going to make it any easier. Uh, I mean, I know people that had toured the same uh... – ligament the the labrum that tyler shagan did and i mean those kids they couldn't walk for like two weeks three weeks they literally were on the couch couldn't move yeah like that's not an an easy injury to recover from i mean but the nyquist one is definitely gonna hurt the blue jackets more than i think the tyler shagan one's gonna hurt the dallas stars sure because they're better i mean they have more support everywhere around Definitely. Where they can make up for that. I mean, look, he wasn't really there in his playoffs, and they still made the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, it just makes me wonder, kind of, the pain threshold that he was playing through throughout the whole playoffs. If he, you know, comes out now, he has to get this surgery. I can only imagine that uh, that last series, he was really, really going through some pain just to be able to lace him up every day. Yeah, seriously. And I feel like we all, you know, this happens, Mac, like you said, at the end of every postseason, uh, you know, guys coming out after the playoffs saying, you know, that they were basically playing on broken ankles, limbs, fingers, you know, Chara played, what, two years ago with like, you know, he was, you know, eating applesauce and yogurt, like through a fucking tube in the (laughs) locker room, had a broken jaw. So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think anyone anticipated it being that bad for Sagan. Uh, moving on to signings, uh, like they always do, Ottawa's just out there scooping up players that no one wants, so they signed Alex Galchenyuk to a one-year contract that's $1.05 million. I don't hate that deal, honestly, for them. Let's say that Galchenyuk wakes up and gets you 15. And on a team that's just desperate for scoring anywhere, just go ahead and do it. But going back to what Mr. Eugene Melnick said about them being a cup contender in, like, what was it, like four years or something, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. Uh, big rig, Pat Maroon, two years, 900K with Tampa. Don't hate that at all. I mean, he was obviously a, a huge, uh, you know, addition to their club in the playoffs and uh, was able to go back-to-back with Cups, so good for him. That's a great deal. Uh, Victor Olofsson, two years, uh, average $3 million with Buffalo. I think that's a great deal. I mean, he was a study. Set, I think it was like an NHL record. It was like his first six goals in the league were all power play goals, so... There's another team uh, in Buffalo similar to Ottawa that just needs as much help offensively as they can get. Uh, Joey Anderson, formerly of the Devils, signed three years, 750K with Toronto. Uh, Warren Fogle, can't stand him, one year, 2.15 mil back to Carolina. Dominic Cahoon, 
uh, one year, 975K to Edmonton. Uh, fun fact, he did grow up with Leon Dreisaitl, so uh, something to keep your eye on there. It's basically reported that they're already expecting him to play on the same line with him, so um, that's good. I don't know if that's going to be with McDavid, how that's going to work, but that's you know, I feel like the Oilers really need to split those two up just to give them some sort of depth, but... Uh, Great deal for Detroit. Anthony Mantha, four years, 5.7 million AAV. I think that's great. You know, that's sort of, that could have gone a lot shorter in term and then I think would have cost them a lot more money down the road. But if they're committing to this rebuild and, you know, I guess Stevie Y knows what he's doing. So um, kudos to him. Ryan Pollock, two years, 5 million AAV with the Islanders. Uh, Boys, what are your thoughts on this? I like it. I think it's a good deal. I think it works for both of them. Uh, he gets to unrestricted free agency sooner. I mean, he could make more money quicker. And I kept the uh, kept the AAV down. He probably could have gotten six in arbitration. So, you know, when you're already pretty tight with the cap and you still have to sign Barzell, I think it's pretty good for all parties. Yeah, I agree. Especially when you get a solid D guy like that who you know is sound. It's tough to find guys like that. So when you have a guy like that, you're better off just paying him, um, giving the money up front, and then you know work from, from back to forward. Yeah, I mean, there. I, if I'm remembering this correctly, there was discussion during their playoff run of him potentially making Team Canada for the 2022 Olympics. So, I mean... That's a player that you're getting for five million, you know, you know, especially you know a top four defenseman. I, I think that's a home run of a deal. Yeah, and I think Dean was right on the money. Guys like this don't don't come around all the time. You don't just find yourself with like a solid, reliable defender, um, you know, every day. And so, re-signing him, especially with the way he performed in the postseason this year, I feel like was the right move. And I love that it's only two years. Keep him on a short leash, right? It's nothing nothing crazy. He's not going to get too relaxed. He knows he still has to perform. So I think it's a really good move for the Isles. For sure. Uh, Ryan Strom uh, avoided arbitration, I believe. Uh, two years, $4.5 AAV with the Rangers. I think that's a good deal for them. They definitely need the center depth right now. So... Um, kudos on them. Vlad Gavrikov, three years, 2.8 AAV with Columbus. They need all the help they can get. Brendan Lemieux, two years, 1.5 million AAV with the Rangers. Mackenzie Weger, three years, 3.25 million AAV with Florida, so he can be pranked by Yandel constantly such again, a, and again and again. Such a Florida deal, too. Like it's, It really is. Three years? What? They give everybody, like, three years minimum. It's like... Yeah. Come on. It's like their it's like their tryout process. <laughs> most like, you know most teams host training camp. Florida does three years. I, Why not? I can't get over that Gudis deal, which I also think was three years. <laughs> I don't know how they gave him three years, but oh well. Good for him. Uh Rupe Hints, three years, three point one five million AAV with Dallas. I think that's a steal. Uh you pro- a player of that caliber, you could probably look at four and a half, maybe five if you really wanted to. Uh out of all those deals. Uh, I know this might be hard to pick, but would you guys say the Pollock deal is the best one, or are you looking at something else out there? Uh, I would I would say Pollock's up there. I think the Maroon deal is huge for Tampa. I mean, that deal allows the top two lines of guys to get paid, 
Um, and it's guys like that that is what allows them to go deep in the playoffs. So I think the Maroon deal is kind of sneaks under the radar. You kind of may gloss over it, but it, it's huge for those top two lines. Yeah, um, I agree with that. You, I mean, as much as they try to take hitting and fighting out of the game, you don't win Stanley Cups without guys like Pat Maroon. So to get him for two years at less than a million dollars a year, I mean, that's somebody that now has the experience of winning back-to-back Cups. So For sure. Can't beat that. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think Maroon is a steal for that price, and he clearly showed that he deserves a spot on that roster. So it's a good one. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and say that I, I really like that Anthony Mantha deal. I you know I feel like a lot of people, just based on his performance, might say that 5.7 right now is a little bit of an overpay. But call me crazy. I feel like when we get to the second half of that four-year deal, I think that might be an underpay. So um, good, good on him and good on uh, Stevie Y for trying to commit to that rebuild. So uh, let's jump into the Islanders breakdown. So we're just going to start off with a couple preliminary questions on, you know, getting to know these guys a little bit more, Um, you know, just sort of questions about the team, how you guys became fans, what have you. So uh, let's start with Dean. Um, How did you become an Islander fan? Oh, well, like all my sports teams, I was born into it Um, for better or for worse. uh, My dad was an Islander fan, grew up on Long Island, was part of that cup run in the 80s. Um, so I was kind of born into it, became an Islanders fan early on. And then with the travel team I played with down in Freeport, we had a, a pretty good connection with them. Um, some guys like Radic Martinek, Travis Hamanick would come down to uh, practice from time to time. So that kind of just strengthened the uh, relationship. Sure. What about you, Mike? Yeah, so like Dean, I was pretty much born into it. I mean, my parents were both born and raised on Long Island. I live 15 minutes from the Coliseum, and now I work across the street from Nassau Coliseum. So, you know, um, I mean, my uncle had season tickets growing up, so I went with him a bunch. I mean, him and my cousin still have season tickets to this day. So, you know, born into it, and I just I fell in love with hockey as a kid, and it just the love never went away. So Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, that's sort of – I would say Mac and I are in the same boat with, you know, how we be, you know, became fans of the Caps and like Dean, like you said, for better or for worse, there's a lot there's a lot of pain in there. I feel like on both ends here. Those um, early years were not easy. There's a lot of painful yeah. early years in that uh in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh so if you had to pick, uh this is hard and this is, you know, I feel like if someone asked me this question, I could come up with like a book of answers but who's your favorite islander of all time you know i knew you were going to ask me and i hate this question because it's probably the toughest question ever um as a kid growing up my favorite because i was a a small kid myself too my favorite player was jason blake and then he went (laughs) and went to toronto so now that kind of ruined it for me but i have to stick with it he was my favorite player growing up um he was so electric. He was a, a spark plug on the ice, and, and he was fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, growing up for me, I I mean, his stint was short, but Michael Pekka, I just loved him when I was a kid. And, I mean, there was somebody else who kind of filled that void once Pekka left that I don't really think can be considered my favorite of all time anymore. So Gotcha. <laughs> it's a pretty big void, but... Yep. I was really uh, hoping yeah. one of you guys would say Miroslav Shatan. 
Oh. <laughs> I was I was thinking of throwing Franz Nielsen, the shootout king, in there. Okay, but. okay. That's okay. Well, both your guys, I mean, Jason Blake, too, with the spinorama yeah. in the shootout. He was yeah. no slouch. Um, so who would be your current favorite player right now on the Islanders? Uh, I feel like this this might be an easy one, but is it both number 13 right now? No? No, not for me. I love okay. Barzell, but Tzizekas has been my favorite player. Gotcha. He just he plays as pretty as it is to watch Barzell. He just plays my favorite type of hockey. He's not gonna he might not pick a corner, but he's gonna go in there, he's gonna outgrind you, he's gonna outskate you, he's just gonna outplay you the whole time. So he's been he, I mean, I've loved him since he's been in, on the roster. I mean I have love, his jersey. Love that answer. He's, yeah, that's a good one. I would say it's probably Barzal for me. I know it's the obvious, easy answer. Um, I thought he was going to be just like most other superstars, but I think Barry got him to buy in defensively, uh, and that's when I, I started to really you know, have an appreciation for him more. Um, so that's, that's probably one of my top two. If I had to throw another in there, I think Nicoletti is so fun to watch. He's, one of, he's usually the best skater on the ice for either team that's playing. Um, and he controls controls the whole pace back there. Yeah, I'm shocked neither of you said superstar elite sniper Andy Green, but you know, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> uh, you know, Mike, you said earlier that you're a big fan of black jerseys. Is that black Islanders alternate your favorite Islanders alternate of all time, or is there another one that you no. love? So I that's actually the jersey I have for Sezikis. I wouldn't say it's my favorite alternate though. Uh, it's tough. There's, because, l- let me like preface this by there is one right answer to this question. Yeah, and you're not going to – as much as I love the fisherman jersey, <laughs> it cannot be my – it's not my favorite alternative. There's too much pain in those in yes. those fishermen. There's too much pain there. Uh, honestly, I kind of like me and my uh, – the pumpkin jersey. It's probably from like okay. – Probably, you guys were probably like 10 years old when it came out. Might have been, yeah. I think it was like 04 to 07 they wore them. Oh, yeah. It those, had like the those uh, had like those was, stripes coming in from the side too, right? The... It was orange here and then triangles on the side were yep. navy uh-huh. blue. Yep. Yeah. Classic jersey. Yeah, the Pumpkins is like the formidable years of me going to the Coliseum early on. So that's what I remember most. I, I think the current ones are, are probably their nicest third jerseys in a while, though. Outside of the the stadium jerseys were okay that they had in, like, I think it was, like, 14, 15. Um, but they had some – the lettering was a little small and funky. But, yeah, either the pumpkin or the current ones are, are my favorite. Okay. Um, what is your favorite memory as an Islander fan? So, as hard as it is to say – that double OT winner to send us to the second <laughs> round of playoffs. It'll, I mean, that was the first time. The Islanders went to the Eastern Conference Final in 1993. I was two months, four, three months old. They didn't make the second round again until that year. So that was like what probably one of the best moments of my Islanders fan career was watching Tavares put that double OT goal in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's a tough one to beat. I, I chose one that uh, a game that I was at. So I was at Game Three of that series against the Panthers, which was the first uh, playoff game at the Barclays Center. 
Um, and then, and when Hickey won that in OT, the place was, the place went nuts. So that was, that was a pretty cool moment for me. Obviously when they, they won the series, it was, it was pretty special too. I was at game four when they lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so great transition. Let's go from that high point to that low point. What is your like most painful memory as an Islander fan? I don't, you know what? I don't like that you asked me this, and I think it's a setup. And I wish Harrison here was was here to let me give him a piece of my mind, because I think this was a setup by both of you. And I know what you guys want to hear, and that you're going to hear me say it anyway. It's either 13 against the Pens um, when the Islanders had I don't know how many chances to win that game, or it was 15 uh, game seven against the Capitals when the Islanders mustered up a strong 11 shots on goal in a full hockey game. So. I, so I actually have I have a great story about that game. So that I was at Towson at the time, and there was this. There's now this bar is now closed, but there was a bar in the basement of our math and computer science building. Uh, you know, just like local sports bar, amazing wings, great beer, and everything. And uh, like me and twenty of my fraternity brothers had like staked out like the middle room in the bar with like the projection screen TV to watch this game. And that was when the Baltimore riots were happening, which if you know where Towson is, that's about 10, 15 minutes away. So they're locking down campus. They're locking down like, you know, there's like a curfew. You have to be back inside by 9 p.m., blah, blah, blah. Uh, my mom's calling me. She's like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm at the bar with like the boys watching the hockey game. She's like, what are you doing? Go back to your dorm, you know, stuff like that. So uh, it was just a mess. But yeah, that one. uh you know, the Caps can just never make it easy. It always has to go to game seven. And of course, I'm like, you know, about to throw up the whole time. Uh, so that one, yeah, I do remember. Uh, Mike, what was your least favorite memory? So I was probably going to say the 2015 because that game seven, that was supposed to be the last season at the Coliseum uh, that we were supposed to open up Barclays. It was supposed to be a special year, you know. That hurt, like he said, 11 shots in the game seven. That hurts a lot for a long time. So that and that had to be it. And the one that went in was a softy too, right? If, yeah, if I remember correctly. I mean, yeah. I, I know I felt like you were trying to set me up to say Tavares on that one, leaving, which it may, honestly probably made me more mad than and like upset because I wasn't gotcha. mad that he left. I was mad at how he left. Like yes. just letting the clock run out. Cause that needs to be clarified. Cause a lot of Islander fans get shit for this. Nobody's yes. mad that he left. They're mad that he just let the clock run out and July 1st hit and said nothing. Yeah. Like at least come out at midnight and be like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. Like that's all you got to say. Yeah. It was gutless. What a coward. <laughs> it was disrespectful. It was disrespectful after all those years. Right. Yeah, true. It's a good point, man. Uh, so on that note, what will, you know, you talked about the Coliseum, uh, the Coliseum and then uh, the fact that it was supposed to be Barclays first year opening. Now with this new arena at Belmont, like Belmont Park, what is that going to mean to the team to have sort of one central location? And what's that going to mean to the community uh, surrounding it? Yeah, I think it's going to be incredible. I mean, the last couple of years have been kind of a disaster with bouncing back and forth from Barclays to Coliseum. They didn't know they were pushing to get the playoffs played there. 
Um, so it'll be good to have a, a, a good stadium, a new stadium finally. As much as we love the Coliseum, it is a dump. Um, it's been there forever. It's old. It's small. It's, it's a dump. So I'm hoping the new stadium is going to be good. It's, it's going to be actually perfect for people commuting from the city. So that's going to, I think, draw attendance up uh, at most home games. So I think, I think overall it's very, very good for the team. I think it'll be great. Yeah, I agree. As much as I love the Coliseum and the fans love the Coliseum, it doesn't, like, players don't love it. So yeah. players don't love it. It doesn't matter how much we love it. They're not going to want to play here. I mean, I think Belmont, I wish, like, I mean, like I said, I live 15 minutes from the Coliseum, so I wish Belmont was a little closer to my house. But they're supposed to be putting a train station in over there. Hop on the train. There's going to be bars there. Go drink. Still get a tailgate if there's a parking lot. It's going to be big state-of-the-art facility. So I'm pumped. I hope it's good. I put a deposit down to be uh, to get season tickets early. So Wow. Nice. Yeah. I like I mean, that. It was it was two hundred fifty dollars, and you just put your name on the list, and then when the season tickets are going to be coming out, you can be one of the first people to get them. So nice, and they just let you like pick and choose and stuff. So it's like just what's, really what's left. Well, yeah, I think it's going to be it's first come sir, first serve. I mean, I gotcha. need to look at the details more specifically, but it's just like you put a deposit down, and then when it's going to come out, it'll go towards your tickets, whatever the okay. price is. Oh, that's cool. So couldn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I just like I feel like I didn't really understand how much that arena was sort of just like embedded in that community until I watched uh, Kevin Connolly's Thirty for Thirty, uh, Big Shot, and like you know he talks about like you know driving to that arena as a kid and like going with his dad to the games and then like bumping into these players at the supermarket and stuff like that and just the fact that you know that team was so central to that community. Like it was Long Island's team. It's not New York's team. It's Long Island's team. So I think having the arena back there, uh, you know, now that I've been able to spend just about, you know, four going on five years there. So gotten to experience that. I think that's, that's pretty cool. So I actually have two more questions I want to ask real quick before we get into some of the meteor stuff. One, I'm curious what you guys think about, Anders Lee as your captain and whether or not you kind of like him being the leader as your team of your team or if you'd rather somebody else be rocking the sea. I personally like it. I think I'm a big fan of him being the captain. I especially like when the captain is not necessarily the goal scorer because I feel like it puts an extra bit of pressure on on the captain if he is the goal scorer. Um, so I like that aspect of it. He he works hard. The guys obviously seem to respect him and rally around him. Um, so overall, I, I think it's I think it's a great pick. I agree with that. I really like the choice when they came out and said it was going to be him. I think he uh, I think he like kind of commands the room where when he speaks, people will listen to him. And I think they see him. He doesn't just lead by how he talks. He leads by example. When he's not playing well. He turns it around and will have a ten good ten good games in a row and play hard. So I, I am a fan. I like Anders. For sure. I think that's definitely a good point, especially Dean, what you said about it not being the goal scorer necessarily, which is obviously quite a different look from, you know, it being Tavares and then um, switching over to a guy like Anders. But 
Um, no, I got respect for him too. I, I think he definitely does a good job at um, you know not trying to be somebody that's not, but just playing his game and, and like you said, Mike, leading by example too, uh, which is you know all you can ask from a captain. Um, the last question I have for you guys, we kind of touched on it when we were talking about the caps a little bit, but. Um, you know, our last episode, we had a Ranger fan on, and uh, to me, I feel like Caps-Rangers, that is a bitter rivalry. That is something that, you know, no matter who the Rangers are playing, I, I'm almost never rooting for them, unless maybe it's the Penguins, and in that case, I just want them to beat the shit out of each other. Um, the Islanders, you know... That's a, that's a, I hope, the building, like, kind of <laughs> Exactly, right. But, you know, the Islanders, it... There's definitely a rivalry there, in my opinion, between the Caps and the Isles. I don't think it's nearly as intense. And for me, at least, I've always had kind of a soft spot for the Islanders. My mom is also from Long Island. I've got lots of family in Long Island. Um, So I've always been raised to kind of hate the Rangers, but the Islanders were always okay. It's more just been, like, recently some bitterness between the Islanders and the Caps because of, like, recent playoff matchups and stuff like that. But I'm curious... You know how you guys see the Capitals as Islander fans, or if it's the kind of thing where you, you know, you're always rooting against them, or if you kind of don't care unless you're playing them. What do you guys think? I, w- I would say it's more of the latter. I-, I would agree with you. I don't think it's as strong of a rivalry. I would say that almost more we have a, a strong rivalry with the Penguins just because we played them more in the playoffs. I think. Um, so to me, it would go first of all, Rangers won, despise them. And then Penguins, Caps, in that order, um, if we're going to talk rivalries. See, so it's a little tough for me because I have loved Ovechkin since he came into the league. When he used to celebrate and jump into the boards, it made me so happy that he would just get so pumped. And I loved watching him every chance I could. I mean... They didn't have my, I played college across. They didn't have my number. They had eight available. So that's the number I picked because of him. So I hate, I, it's hard for me to really hate the Capitals, but recently until really this year, it felt like you guys kind of were stopping us in like, I mean, the playoffs, we lost to the Penguins a bunch, but it felt like after 2015 is when I feel like I just kind of hated you guys. Although I did root for you guys in 2018 i did appreciated i won a lot of money that day those days (laughs) good answer i feel like that's one of those things where one playoff series that's all it takes to change that that's like you know you talked like dean you were saying like rangers number one and then like going through your list the caps in my recent memory have only played montreal once but i still despise them and everything they do because of that one horrible, horrible playoff series where just because seven defensemen on their roster were left-handed shots, they were able to block every capital shot, you know, put on net. Like, you know, it, it scars you for life. I was going to use that horrible. exact same analogy. I was going to say the the Canadians, you know, you go into a playoff series like that and you're like, all right, whatever, I don't give a fuck about the Canadians one way or another, let's just beat them. And then after, you know, one bitter series like that, that's all it takes and you're like, God, I fucking hate this team. I Like, I went to the first game that they played each other in DC after that series. And I thought that people were going to get hurt that night. And I feel like you don't expect that from caps fans all that often, unless it's a penguins game. But I mean, it, it was rowdy that evening. It was bad. 
So if you had to, like, going off of that, if you had to give, Mike, your top three for hated teams right now, I'm assuming the Rangers would be one. Uh, where do the other two fall in? Yeah, I hate the Rangers. There's nobody even close. Like, I can't even really get into it because, I mean, I think most of their fans are frauds anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just what it is. I mean, I look at any one of their games. That whole lower bowl is suits. Corporate suits. Not real fans. In that stadium. <laughs> that's all it go. is. It's business Eat meetings. wine and cheese at a hockey game, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd have, probably have to agree with Dean. I really dislike the Penguins just because playoffs. I mean, I know we've beaten them last year, but I don't know. It's just something sweet about beating Malkin. It's not even Crosby. I like beating Malkin. Yeah, I agree. And then, and then you guys, because like I said, 2015 has made me like tough. That one was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it's tough because there's always like a mutual level of respect when you're playing guys like Ovechkin and Crosby, but it's it's the the little rats that really just get under your skin and they, they just uh, they they just make it so hard to to watch those games because there's such a deep hatred for no real reason. Other than they're annoying, um, and it's just yeah, that, it's those other guys besides the superstars. Are there specific I'm, I'm assuming, guys? Yeah, I want to know. I'm assuming we're referring to Tom Wilson and every Penguins player here. So. Tom Wilson, yeah. You could also throw Sean Avery, the number one rat, in there. Yeah. <sighs> Avery is just piece of work. Like, can't even comment on that dude anymore. No. But like, I feel like, I mean. To go back to the rivalries thing, like it's, which I forgot to touch on, it's not even just the playoffs with the Penguins. It was the NHL's version of the Malice at the Palace, where, I mean, I think we had nine people left on the bench at the end of the game, and the Penguins had seven or eight. Yeah. So, I mean, things between yeah, the Penguins like- and I was get heated for a lo- for a long time. There was like 300 combined penalty minutes in that game or something like that. <laughs> there was 30 fights or something crazy, yeah. Michael Haley going after the goalie. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I can't stand them. I don't like them, so. Yeah. Anyone that beats him is a friend of mine, let's put it that way. Uh, so let's get into some questions about the team, you know, where they went this past season, where they're headed, you know, what direction you guys think they're going. So I thought the best place to start here would be to get your guys' thoughts on this Devon Taves trade. I feel like when this came out, a lot of people's initial reaction was, what the fuck are you doing? This guy was lights out for you in the postseason and basically all year long. Uh, how could you give up a defenseman like that? I mean, what were your initial reactions when you saw this thing uh, come over the wire? So my, I was actually the opposite. My initial reaction was I was thrilled. Because it may be an unpopular opinion, but I'm not the biggest Devontae's fan, or at least I wasn't. Um, I think defensively he's a liability, and he kind of hides it by the fact that he produces offensively. Um, he was good on the power play. He was he, he produced as a defenseman, which was good. But I think defensively he, he showed some holes in his game. So I was happy that he was gone. And then I saw what they got for him. And I think it was a 2021 20, second rounder and a 2022 20, second rounder. And now I feel like 
it was kind of a steal for Colorado. Um, so, I mean, I have mixed feelings. I'm happy that he's gone. Um, I'm assuming that this means that they have a lot of faith in Noah Dobson to play a lot of minutes, especially after the Pulak signing. So I guess if that's the direction they're going, you have to be optimistic about it. Um, so I, I think overall, I'm pretty pretty satisfied with the deal. It's good to shed that contract. I think he was getting 4.1 AAV or something like that. Um, so yeah, overall, pretty pretty pleased. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised at first when I first saw it because, I mean, I like I liked him, but I mean, like he's like Dean said, like I mean, there was definitely times where his defensive or his lack of defensive skills kind of stood out where it was like that can't happen and but i mean i think he pissed Lou off trying to go to arbitration i think that was really and i don't think he played that well in playoffs and i think that's what shipped him out plus people don't realize because he's only been in the league for really like a season and a half he's already 26 years old so he's not it's not like he's he's a 21 or 22 year old offensive defenseman where in two, three years, he's might be much better defensively. I mean, he's going to, in two, three, at the end of the contract he got, he's going to be 30 years old. So, yeah, I think ultimately Lou just does not want guys to go to arbitration. You saw it with Taves. You saw it with Pulak and he even signed Josh Hosang because he didn't want him to go to arbitration. So yep. <laughs> I, I think he just, he just doesn't want guys to go to arbitration. I think when I dove a little bit deeper into this move, you know, when you weigh, Dean, like what you were saying, the, you know, what you're giving up versus what you're getting, I think it's a great move, you know. Lou's basically getting back that second round pick that he gave away to get Andy Green. So now you have Andy Green essentially for free. And then you have another one uh, going into 2022. So, I mean, I think that's a home run deal. And uh, you guys both touched on the fact that he was going to have to be signed at some point and it was going to cost you north of, you know, four and change and, you know, Obviously, there's some looming contracts to be had on this team, so uh, I think it was a, you know, a, a home run move. I, I can understand why some people overreacted at first, but I think once you dive a little bit deeper, it made sense. So your off season is basically going to be dictated by your RFAs, specifically your superstar center Matt Barzell. Uh, you're obviously going to want to lock this guy up long term. What do you guys see this deal looking like? I mean, it's hard. I mean, I was trying to look into, I mean, like if you compare him to like what Matthews and Marner are getting, I mean, realistically, he's worth the 10, 11 million dollars, but the Islanders can't afford to pay him that 10 million dollars. In an ideal world, in a best case scenario, he'll sign for like a short term, two, three year deal, seven, eight million dollars. I think I saw if he signed for seven million dollars. AAV, they can just move some guys to the minors and they won't have to worry too much about their cap issues. So, I mean, the guy was deserves to get paid, but, you know, got to be real sometimes. Hopefully, he'll take something that can benefit the team. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, think, I think anything north of nine at this point is kind of an overpay, um, especially if if you can get him to like a two, three year bridge deal for something like eight and a half, nine max, maybe. I think that's best case. Um, And I do think now that the Taves contract is gone, I think that could free up the the necessary amount to pay him. 
but I don't think I just don't think financially they can ink him to a, a seven eight year deal right now with the way their their future contracts are tied up. And I think this goes a little bit back to what you guys were saying when we were talking about NASA and we were talking about the new arena coming in where, you know, you hope in maybe three, four years from now, maybe the Islanders are a bit of a hotter spot where you see free agents kind of wanting to sign there and showing a lot more interest. And so that's another reason I think maybe Barzil gets a little bit of a shorter deal where they can kind of agree, okay, like, this is a team that's kind of trying to turn the corner here. Give us a couple years to try to help us out, see where things are going. I think it would make a lot of sense for both parties to sign kind of a, a short to medium length deal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. Obviously, you know, you look at where your contracts are. There's a lot of long-term deals on there. And I think, you know, while some of them are good deals, I think, you know, you have eight players signed through 2023. So I think that definitely means that we're probably going to see a little bit of a shorter deal here. I guess my follow-up question would be, do you see him getting offer sheeted by anyone? No, I don't think so. Not with the flat cap for what's it another year and two years, the flat cap and to offer sheet him something that, I mean, Luke came out and said he's signing anything that they send him anyway. So to send him something that's, I guess, worth it for you, you're going to have to send over four high draft picks. True. So I don't know. I think with the money situation, I think it's tough for any team to really go out and offer sheet him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that – I think what you'd have to give up is not worth the return in that situation. So I I would agree with that. I I don't see that happening. And then with, uh, let's move on to the postseason success that this team had. I think a lot of people didn't really, you know, give them the time of day or, you know, they came up through a qualifying series, let's be honest, and, you know, then were able to fight their way to the conference finals. So, uh, and had they won the Stanley Cup, they would have been the first team in NHL history to go through, you know, more than 16 wins to win the Stanley Cup. So uh, with the postseason success that they had, what are there any if you know if there are what changes do you think they still need to make going forward what gaps do you see in their game right now yeah well i would i would just kind of take it back to before the postseason even started and if the season kind of carried out as a normal season they were they were in danger of missing the playoffs they were on the outside looking in if it wasn't for the kind of extended postseason um playoff format um you know, they, they got bailed out kind of by the hot start they had. They started off, I think, 16-3-1. and one, um, And I had gone to two games, and they were both losses. So <laughs> so they, were only, they only lost two <laughs> games other than that um, out of 20. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was – I think they got hot at the right time. Um, their defense obviously was shut down. I think the trot system clearly works. And, you know, they just need to find ways to put more – put more goals in if they really need to if they really want to go deep um they you have you just have to score and and they haven't really proved that they can do that outside of the top line yeah i'd uh i'd agree with that like dean said right like i don't think the uh like whole bubble situation benefited anybody more than it benefited the islanders i mean we got our best defenseman who was supposed to be out for the year was able to come back we had uh, Sizikis was able to come back, and 
I think one other person was able to come back from injury and rest and heal up. So, I mean, I think that definitely played into the struggles that they started to have throughout the year after their big win streak. But, I mean, once they got into the bubble, they just showed that they can compete with these better teams. I mean, they obviously are still that one little step below them. I mean, their power play, I mean, was not good in playoffs. I mean, it wasn't all year. They they struggled to score. So, they can fi- figure out the scoring. I think they can, you know, really do some damage. I like what you said, too, about, you know, no team benefiting more from the format than perhaps the Isles did. It was kind of nice for them the way that they were able to just hit the ground running and, and sort of increase the, at least I think, sort of increase the difficulty of their opponents just a little bit by each round right you know they get the panthers it's kind of a nice softball to get you guys going had pretty much no problem there then you get the caps didn't prove to be an issue at all um and then you know the flyers definitely gave you guys a little bit more trouble than either of those first two teams it seemed like but they still were able to um you know persevere there but i i think definitely the way that it was all set up for them seem to benefit them a lot for whatever reason. I think when we, you know, talk about teams benefiting from the pause, everyone was like, oh, God, you know, the Penguins had so many players hurt. You know, oh, here comes Gensel. Here we go. He had all these months to heal himself. Now the Penguins are going to go win another cup. And they, I mean, they flatlined. And the Islanders were, like, you know, like you guys all said, really able to take advantage. And, I mean, you know, Mac, you said Florida, that's a softball. Yeah, they they were a mess anyways. But, I mean, you guys flat out embarrassed the Caps. Like, it, it was not close at all. I mean, there were... A couple games in there that were close and I think the first couple periods of game one Dean while you and I were you know deleting beers in Myrtle Beach checking the score on our phones uh you know that was close but nothing after that was so to flat out embarrass a team that had won a cup two years ago I think you know there's obviously something in that team that you know woke up and was able to sort of pull them together. And I'm wondering how much of that postseason success you guys attribute to the coaching staff and specifically Barry Trotz. I don't know. I'd probably say, I don't know. This is hard to put a number on maybe 25, 75 Barry to the players, because at the end of the day, the players have to go out. Barry can only say so much and put, tell them where to be. Players still got to go out there and execute. So, I mean, they had to buy in. They had to grind every day. I mean, like I said, I'd probably say 25-75 Barry to the players. Yeah, it's tough to put a number on it. I think certain. I, I think the cap series, it helped tremendously just because of the knowledge he had of them. Um, similar to, I guess, the Flyers he was pretty familiar with just from being in the Metro. Uh, but then when you get to Tampa, a team maybe he hasn't seen as much. Um, Granted, they I think they met in the the previous playoffs, Nick, if I'm not mistaken. The uh, the conference finals, conference. the year the Caps yeah, yeah. won. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. There's no shame in losing to Tampa. Just we obviously saw how good they were, but there there still is that question mark of okay, we were able to steamroll through the first three series pretty easily. Why was the Tampa series so different? And you know what can Barry do um, to kind of bridge that gap between the two teams? So. I think you have to attribute a lot of the success to him, uh, but there still seems to be like the missing piece of you know why aren't we why aren't we there yet? 
Yeah, you know, I think it, you know, like both of you guys said, it's it's obviously down to the players at the end of the day. But, um, you know, I think Mac and I saw this firsthand. You know, Trotz was in four, in D.C. for four years. And three of those four, that that Caps team was clearly not bought in. And once they bought in, it was a snowball effect throughout the playoffs. You know, I mean, they were a different-looking team against Pittsburgh. You know, I had never seen that sort of resilience and determination and ability to just, you know, be on the puck constantly against them. And I feel like that's a lot of what I saw in that Islanders series. Like, they were making the Caps play the game that the Islanders wanted to play. And the Caps were running around like chickens with their heads cut off you know chasing the puck chasing people into the corner and it was just a disaster and I think that's what Trotz brings to the table in a team and I think that's what he's able to do is yeah you know a lot of people are saying oh oh my god watching these Islanders games it's like one nothing two to one it's like watching hockey in the 90s I'm like yeah but they're winning so who cares you know they're they're doing something right so uh, I think that's a lot you know that of what Barry and Lane Lambert bring to the table. Yeah, and I like what you said about you know that coaching staff's time in Washington. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that um, it was not like a, a sure thing. It was it was by no means smooth sailing all four years there. And and there were a couple times that um, Barry was actually on some pretty thin ice, and maybe not all his fault. But regardless, there was definitely a couple times where. Um, you know, the Caps were kind of struggling, and as you said, not fully buying in, and um, had we maybe lost just a couple more games in, in the right situations, we may not have even had Barry by the time we got to uh, 2018 playoffs, but um, I think he's a guy, and, and his whole coaching staff is very much the type where the longer they spend with a certain group of guys and a certain unit, the more they can kind of, um, you know, study them and, and, and really figure out how to how to gear their approach toward the players that they have in their locker room and, and make those pieces work for them and their system. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, continuing with that, it was sort of, you know, a deal under the table that Barry would leave the team the year after the Caps won the Cup. So it was like, you know, a, an already set in motion thing, like, hey, this might not be the best thing, you know, let's move on after the year's over. And then, obviously, we saw how that went. But... Uh, moving on, uh, this postseason, I would say, was sort of the emergence and validity of the two-goalie system. Uh, while the team that won the Stanley Cup was basically the only one that didn't use two goaltenders consistently, basically every other team did. So how much does the loss of a guy like Thomas Grice affect this Islanders team, in your guys' opinion? So, I, I mean... Grice was a, definitely a fan favorite. I mean, the year that 2015-2016, when they went to the second round, a lot of talked about, like I said, of Tavares's goal. But Grice carried us. He helped us a lot in that playoffs. Um, I think he's going to be missed because he was a fan favorite, but he's kind of getting overshadowed by the arrival of Ilya Sorkin. So... You know, as much as it's going to stink to have Grice leave, I mean, we're getting a goalie that is supposed to be the best goalie out of the KHL, and he's been hyped up for years now. I mean, if you look at his numbers compared to Shesterkin's when they were both in the KHL, they were very similar. So if he came over here and went 10-2 and in his first couple games with a team that plays run-and-gun offense, 
I think putting Sorkin behind a Barry Trotz defense, it's not going to be many goals going in. So I think we're losing one, but gaining uh, gaining a good one. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely it's tough to replace a good a good two goalie system like that, especially one that's proven to have good postseason success. Um, so I think the best thing for for this upcoming year was get the young kid a lot of reps early on, see how he can do, put him in front of that Barry defense, and hopefully hopefully the gap isn't as big as we may think. Um, and I I don't think it will be. I think this kid is supposed to be the real deal. So so I, I think it, it's ultimately you know long term it could be a good good play for them sure i'm dreading that shesterkin versus sorkin matchup just you know to have to hear people go back and forth with that you know pierre Maguire is just gonna have a field day with that so um yeah that's gonna be a, a hard drinking night for me but uh so if you i know mac asked you guys earlier about you know anders lee being your captain if you had to pick one player that's the heart and soul of your team right now who would it be and why Matt Martin. He's called the mayor of Long Island. He, I, uh, go ahead. I wanted to refrain from saying Matt Martin because when you had me on earlier, that was the guy I said too. You asked who was key for the playoffs, and I said Matt Martin, but, I mean, it's just tough to think of another guy. I, I'd have never seen a team rally around one guy more than, than the Isles with Matt Martin. Yeah, I mean, look at look at him. I think he had five goals in the regular season and then had five or six goals in the bubble. So, I mean, he's a guy yeah. that steps up. He didn't work out in Toronto, but I'm happy he works out here. Matt Martin is a bad man. He is. That's somebody yeah. you oh, do yeah. not want to play against, but if he's on your team, you love him. He's like he's perfect for that Trots playoff hockey system too. Like that that is his game. That's where he thrives. So I feel like he was, you know, he was just loving everything this postseason. Uh, are we going to see Oliver Wallstrom in a full time role this year, or are we going to see a little bit of a bounce back again? Uh I hope so. He, I don't know if you saw recently, but he actually got hurt the other day. He's on a loan in playing in Europe and Sweden, and he took a pretty nasty spill on. He was on like a pseudo breakaway, um, and he took a pretty nasty spill. So. I hope he, I haven't heard anything if he's okay or not, um, but I, I don't know if we're gonna see him. I think I think they need goal scoring. They need to try and, you know, instead of bringing Josh Hosang up again, why don't we try the the young kid? Why don't we see if he can score some goals? Um, yeah, it's interesting because when the two of them got drafted, um, Noah Dobson and Oliver Wallstrom, they thought it was the opposite. They thought Oliver Wallstrom was more NHL ready at the time. Um, they thought Dobson would have to gain some weight, put some muscle on, um, and it, it seems to be that Dobson's going to be the one playing some some more meaningful minutes. So I hope so. I don't see why you know they can't bring him up and and see if he can fit in on the third line or fourth line. Yeah, like Dean said, I'd like to see if they can give him another shot instead of. I mean, I'm a I'm a Hosang fan, All right. but I get I get why people don't like him. I've always I always liked him. I think seeing him skate with Barzell would probably be beautiful right now. But I mean, I mean, I hope he works. I mean, if they put do bring him up now and put him on the third line, he hasn't had a center like JGP to play with on the Islanders. So maybe very true. Maybe see how he plays with him. I mean, that's a completely different guy coming up the middle for you. So I hope they give him a shot. But 
We'll see. I mean, hopefully his injury isn't too serious. I haven't seen anything on it other than he got hurt. <laughs> Typical Lou, but... Yeah, seriously. Uh, so, speaking of Josh, Ho- Josh Ho- Hosang, he re-signs for another year, league minimum, 700K, 225K if he does a season in the minors. What do you guys think of this deal? Where does he stand with the organization? Do you guys see him in the lineup this year? Do you guys see him down in or up in, what is it, Binghamton? Bridgeport. Bridgeport, yeah, that one. Thank you. Um, Sound Tigers <laughs> this season. Connecticut, yeah, the Sound Tigers. Connecticut, that's right. Upstate New York, right? Where They're like South? five hours from each other <laughs> at minimum. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Geography's hard. Um, all these AHL teams are hard. Where do you guys see Hosang lining up? I mean, Mike, I'm with you. I I loved this kid. I watched him play when he was in Windsor. I mean, I was like, this guy's gonna be awesome. He's yeah, he's a little bit undersized, but he can skate like the wind. Like you know. Um, so where is the second best player to wear number 66 going to slot into this lineup? I mean, look, I would love to see him in it. I think he partially took the salary and signed because NHL contracts are fully guaranteed. So he knows he's getting that money no matter what. Um, I don't know that I've seen things that supposedly that his relationship with Lou is getting better, but I mean, Lou also wasn't the GM when he showed up late to his first day of training camp. So, you know, he is kind of like a fresh start for him, but I I don't really see him cracking the NHL unless he has, like, an outstanding camp. Yeah, I think you could probably tell I'm not his biggest fan. I've just seen him <laughs> play too many poor games with the Islanders to really – I don't think I've seen enough to justify – giving him another shot at the NHL level. I think the deal was kind of, you know, just to shut him up in a way, um, keep him happy wherever he is. So I'd be surprised if, you know, he played meaningful minutes up in the NHL. I could be wrong, um, but that's just that's just my take on it. So I'm looking at daily face-off now. They have Kiefer Bellows, Wallstrom, and Michael Dalcole in the lineup as your projected forwards, but they do not have Hosang. Would you agree with that? I like that. I think Kiefer Bells is a stud. I, I think he's going to be. I think he could he could produce for them next year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I thought he didn't look terrible. I think right before the pandemic, he had like a eight or nine game stint where I think he had a goal and or two goals and an assist or something like that. So, I mean, he was technically suspended. That's why he didn't come to the bubble. But I don't know. I'm interested. Maybe they'll give him a, ch- a shot. I mean, we don't have too much talent down in Bridgeport, so. Honestly, Dal Cole has always been somebody that's underwhelmed me personally. I don't know what you guys think about him, but. I would agree. He's always just kind of like a. a Another player that was like lights out in juniors, though. I mean, what did they select him? Number four? And I think the dude missed it. And I think he missed a tap in in the bubble. So, number four should probably be able to pick corners. (laughs) <laughs> not mishappens you would think yeah um so with the departure of devon Taves, obviously you know as we talked about a little bit earlier the first name that comes to mind is noah dobson so do you think he's ready to fill in that missing spot on the blue line uh i mean i i thought watching him he played i think maybe 12 something like that games in the regular season i thought he looked small at times he looked like he got muscled off the puck a little bit 
And then Barry and Lou just throw them in to the Eastern Conference Finals against Tampa. So obviously they see something in him that maybe I wasn't seeing. But he, he held his own in that game. He played pretty well given the, the stage and the circumstances. So I'm, I'm hopeful based off that. They obviously have a lot of faith in the kid, which is huge. Um, so, yeah, with Taves leaving, I don't see why he can't step in and fill that role. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm pretty team full faith in Barry still. So I pretty much trust him if, if I mean, like he said, I mean, I know Pellick was hurt, and that, so they kind of were almost forced to put him in, but they still picked him over Sebastian Ajo. Who was on the bu- on the bubble roster also? I so, think they even went. I think they went seven D that game. They went boy. Ch- I think they, they went shit. seven with they boy did go and 7D. him. Yeah. Fuck yeah! So yeah, I mean, they just didn't want to play Dal Call. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might miss another tap in. <laughs> right. So uh, as of right now, daily faceoff has your D pairings as. Pellick, Pollock, Nick Letty, Scott Mayfield, Boychuk, and Dobson. Uh, where do you guys, what's your opinion of those? Do you like those? Do you hate them? Where do we stand? I like them. I think I think the top four is very solid. I think Pellick, Pollock is, is about as solid as you can hope for. Um, they've shut down countless top line after top line throughout the whole playoffs. I've talked about how, how good I think Letty is, how much... On the in terms of just skating the puck up the ice, he's one of the best in the league. Um, yeah, and then I mean the top, the bottom three is it's not great. Um, Boychuk's proving his age a little bit. He's looking slower uh, as years go on. Um, and then we'll see about Dobson, but I think the top four is very very solid. Yeah, I I agree. I think um, I think. Pelic and Pollock could really start as a number one pair on a majority of the teams in the league. Um, Absolutely. I think they don't get as much credit as they really deserve. I mean, the Islanders went 15-0-2, and then Pelic gets hurt, and I think they lost, went 50, 50% since then, 500. So, I mean, he's a big part of their team. I think that, line's, that D pair is going to be good. Uh, I think... If Letty shows up, I do like Letty, but I think sometimes he has a couple streaky off games. But other than that, I do. I think Boychuk, he's slow, but if he can teach Noah Dobson to grow into a mature defenseman, then I think they'll be okay. I think our deep pairs will be a good. They're, I mean, they just seem like good, steady, Eddie shut down deep pairs. And I, I completely agree with you with what you say about if Dobson can learn from a guy like Boychuk. You know, we obviously know Dobson's a great skater, but if he can sort of, you know, learn how to learn the game mentally, like a guy like Johnny Boychuk knows, I feel like that's just, that would be incredible. So uh, definitely trending up there. I also agree with what you said about how Pelik, Pollock are very underrated in the league. Uh, Daily Faceoff has them as the 22nd best first D pair overall. I think that's an absolute joke. I would say they're well inside the top 15, potentially even inside the top 10. But, uh, yeah, like yeah, you guys you said, could just, I mean, they you should. Who are some the of the people from, that they have in front of them? You could just roll the I, tape yeah. from the playoffs, though. And yeah, I, think I, I have no idea. Shut down but, pretty quickly. Like, I mean, like you guys said, like, I mean, they shut down Ovi, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, you know, Vrana, Oshi, all those guys in the postseason. And then they went on and put up a good fight against Tampa. So, um, definitely a lot higher on my list. 
Uh, Nick, don't forget they did a good job shutting down future Hall of Famer Claude Giroux. That's right, they did. Future Hall of Famer Claude Giroux. Not. I don't think um, many defense and pairs had uh, trouble shutting him down in playoffs. <laughs> no. I mean, what did he have? One point in like 30 games? games? Yeah, something like that. So uh, if any Islanders fans want to come on and defend him, be my guest. I don't really see your argument, but whatever. You're from Philly anyway, so who cares? Uh, what are your expectations of this team going into this year? It's tough to call with the format because we don't really know. I mean, I saw something that said there's the Board of Governors are meeting Thursday, so they should have a better idea. They're still looking at January 1st. But are they going to do a full season, half a season? I mean, any way you really look at it, though, I think the Islanders are a team that can go far. I mean, the kid last week said he thinks that the Caps are going to have to go through the Rangers. They're going to have to go through the island if they really want to go to the cup. Love it. Yeah, it, so. it'll depend on the format. And then they talked about that kind of redesigned metro area division. If they if they do that, that'll be tough every team. It's in a gladi- gladiator ring if they did that yeah. with the Eastern like Conference. Every team but one who made the playoffs last year, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty much. I was going to yeah. be my next question is they're basically, you know, kicking Columbus and Buffalo or it's, you know, kicking Columbus and what Jersey out of the Metro. But you put in Carolina. Uh, yeah. Carolina. Yeah. I think, I think it's kicking out Carolina and Columbus. Right. And then that's right. And yeah. then, and then bringing in Buffalo and Boston. Mm-hmm. So basically the only two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year were Buffalo, Buffalo and, Jersey. and Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That, I mean, it'd be the, the gauntlet would be thrown down, but I think expectations are make the playoffs. I think the the precedent and the standard has been set that the Islanders are a perennial playoff team, uh, and I think I think if they don't make the playoffs, it'd be a disappointment. With you know, they've proven they can go far. They've proven they have talent. So I think at the very least, you know, the precedent's been set. The bar's there to make the playoffs. And then you know we've seen as you once you get in any team can make a run so you just got to you got to be in there for sure so let me throw a hypothetical at you guys so they get in they make the postseason second round exit obviously that's not the Stanley Cup so that's going to be chalked up as a failure in any fan's mind but is a second round exit for this team going into this year is that acceptable or not in your minds? I think it almost more falls on how they played. Like if they went in, if they at the like like this year came out firing and then slowly declined throughout the year and then went into playoffs flat and didn't do well, that would be even if they made the second round, it'd probably still be disappointing. But I mean, if they go in and they win and then they go to the second round and they play a tight seven game series or something close, you know, sometimes you run into a better team. It's tough. I mean, I guess it's disappointing whenever you don't win the cup, so. Sure. Yeah, it's always going to, you know, there's only one team that ends with a successful season. So, you know, to deem it a failure, I guess maybe you could say that. But I agree with Mike. It'll depend on how they play, who they play, you know, how the series goes. Um, But, you know, it's tough to win even one playoff series. So you can't be really harping on, you know, they didn't beat this team or they didn't beat that team. So. Um, it, I think it's just important to build a foundation of, 
you know, a bunch of successful playoff seasons in a row, and then that becomes the standard, and then you build from there. So I don't, I don't think it would be, you know, necessarily a failure if they were to kind of have an early exit. Sure. Uh, well, I think that wraps up all the questions that I have for you guys in regards to the Islanders. Mac, do you have anything else? Nope, I'm, uh, I'm all good over here. Alrighty, well, uh, just a reminder, uh, go ahead and check out our website, emptybetters.com, and be sure to check out the merch that's linked on the website as well. Go ahead and use promo code EB10 for 10% off your order during the month of November. Uh, hurry up, because that's not going to last forever. I feel like at the rate we're going in 2020, that's going to be over in about four days. But uh, before we close, I did have one trivia question for you guys. Who is the longest-serving captain in NHL history? Do you guys know? Uh, I think I have a pretty good guess, but I'm going I'm to hold off in case anyone else might want to try. Oof, that's tough. That's a tough question. Is it a current guy? Can you give us that? It is not. I mean, Gordy Howe? It's a good guess. Is it bossy? Is that why you're asking? My no. Uh, My guess would have been. Oh. Uh, oh, go ahead. Was it Ed West? Is it an Islander? Is it Ed Westfall? It is not. Okay. I was gonna say Stevie Eiserman. Ding ding ding! Twenty years with the Red Wings. There we Ooh. go. Wow, twenty. That's pretty 20 good. Years. Which is just nuts to think That's about. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I got a fun fact for you before we leave. Go ahead. New York Rangers, their, uh, their defenseman, Adam Fox, he's from Long Island. He did a Q&A a couple months ago, it might have been during the pandemic, of his favorite pizzeria. Favorite pizzeria is owned by Islanders fans. Borelli's. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> is it like, Borelli's? No. I, <laughs> no comment on Borelli's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's just yeah, my own so opinion. I, no, speaking of that, no, I did ask Mark, you know, last week he's from the island as well so obviously that's like my favorite part about coming up to y'all's neck of the woods is to get pizza uh what is your go-to spot you know around your guys's place like when you're hungry and you want pizza where do you go there's only one right answer and it is umberto's of new hyde park but it's actually in wanta so do not go you could go to the original it's pretty good too but our go-to is always umberto's of new hyde park in wanta so, I mean, my favorite pizzeria is actually the same one as the Ranger fan. I love Ellen Beast Spumoni Gardens in Brooklyn. Gotcha. Uh, that's the city, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I got to be honest, around my town, some of the pizzerias are falling flat. Luckily, we have a pizza oven in our backyard. So, there you we go. can just make it ourselves. What a flex. But, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, I will say, Adam Fox's pizzeria is the one he goes to, Cafe Dolce Vita in Jericho, is pretty good. So I'm a big fan of it. Not just because I I'm know just, the kids either. Yeah, I'm just adding all of these to my list, so it's no secret that I gain like a 1,000 pounds every time I'm there. But It shocks me that the Caseros don't have an oven in their, a pizza oven in their backyard yet. Well, uh, uh, so... Uh, for those that don't know, Mike's younger sister and my girlfriend are like uh, what childhood best friends since they were like what birthed. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, Amanda Kasiri and her husband Will just put one in in their uh, uh, backyard, 
So we went over there and had it. I mean, you know, Will was phenomenal with it. So, of course, it was fantastic. But I, um, you know, every time I'm there, I try and bring, you know, some back from my family. My mom grew up in Jersey, so she has some taste of what good pizza is like. So last time I was there, I brought back a regular pie and a buffalo chicken pie from La Piazza. Uh, and they, you know, went nuts over that. So uh, obviously it's better than anything we have here. You know, Domino's, Papa John's, that, you know, trash so those are uh, so, solid no complaints on that one yeah i got a question for you guys speaking of dominoes because me and my friends always talk about this you get a dominoes pie what are you putting on are you getting a topping or are you getting plain cheese what what time of day is it most likely drunk that's the only okay. time anybody should eat dominoes i'm just happy if i get my credit card information in there so. yeah i'll go i'll go i'll go plain I'm usually okay, going like jalapeno, or sometimes I will be that bitch and get pineapple. Okay, pineapple's a sin. See, I, I kind of don't I like that do at that. all. I can't do that. It bothers me a little bit. Yeah. It's like the worst thing you can do to pizza. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're getting, up, you're getting us upset over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of the things I love about that area is every time I go there, the food is just incredible. I mean, you know, you guys both you guys dean you know dating a kasiri himself knows the kasiri family quite well so uh every time i'm there i'm not allowed to stop eating that's all i'm gonna have to say about that but uh i just want to thank you guys for jumping on this was a lot of fun we're definitely gonna have to do this again uh i thought you guys gave some great insight onto your uh hockey club and how they're gonna do this year uh mac do you have anything else uh nope nothing for me i uh echo what nick said thanks for thanks for coming on the pod tonight guys it was a lot of fun and uh hope hope to talk to you guys again soon about the aisles yeah thank yep. you boys and uh, obviously thank you boys for having us it was a ton of fun um hope harrison as well but also i hope he accepts his fate like a man next time when he comes to challenge my team uh so yeah thank you guys ton of fun happy masters week yep well said yep thank you guys had a good time hopefully i'll be back on yeah and without further ado i'll throw it off to myself class dismissed
Sleeping.